Yora from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. This title, it's called Tap Out. And many of us are familiar with this word because it refers to the, the sport, right, of mixed uh, martial arts. MMA cage fighting, and it's a it's a full contact. If you didn't know, just I'm just assuming that you know I don't want to say that everyone else in here knows. It's a full contact combat sport, and it, it allows you know striking and, and grappling, the wrestling, uh, both standing and, and on the ground, and you're using techniques from uh, various forms of, of of that combat sport and martial arts. And during this full contact combat that you're having, uh, for someone, you know, in the cage or in the ring here, uh, once that person taps, tap out, taps out, it, it means that they've given up. Uh, they've, you know, means a submission. So you've tapped out against the person that you're fighting. And so many of us in this room are called to fight against the enemy and, and not to submit or, or, or tap out against him. And maybe someone here, we, we've tapped out because the schemes, you know, of the enemy has just been too hard to bear and, and to fight against. And today I want to give hope and say that God desires you not to tap out or submit to the, to the enemy anymore. There's a key verse, um, you know, Genesis from Genesis chapter 32, verse 26, and it's up there on this PowerPoint. And it's actually, these words are said by this man named Jacob. And those very words, it says, um, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. And so I'm, um, I'm going to direct uh, you to this verse later. But before that, um, let me give you uh, a backstory, okay? Explaining this verse about the life of Jacob before he said these verses, uh, these very words. You know, Jacob's parents, right? Their names were Isaac and Rebecca, um, and over time, Isaac's wife Rebecca uh, becomes pregnant with two twin boys. And the firstborn was his name was Esau, and the second after was Jacob. And talking about you know grappling in, in the sport of MMA, also known as wrestling, uh, the very first sign of seeing Jake, Jacob grapple was at birth. And when both boys are born, this is. What uh, it says in Genesis, these verses, Genesis chapter 25, verse 24, it reads, When the time came for Rebekah to give birth, she had two twin boys in her womb. The first boy to come out was red, color red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. And after this, Esau's brother came out, grabbing onto Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. So here we have Esau. Esau means the hairy one. And so pretty much they named him by his appearance. Now you may laugh, eh? You know, the meaning of my name, the definition of the word, the name Ulu, right? A lot of people know me as Ulu. It's a, it's a Samoan translate. The Samoan translation is in English is head, okay, head, or breadfruit. It's also a well-known chief's name um, from the history and from the islands of Samoa. However, that name Ulu, it's not my real name. (laughs) It's a nickname. 
My full name is actually, my first full name is actually Taulu Toa. And that full name, it's not a Samoan name at all. It's actually a Nuean name. And so when, when Samoan people meet me for the first time and I've been introduced as Ulu, um, they think that I come from this line of these high chiefs from Samoa. Uh, yes, no, sorry to disappoint you. Um, that's not the case, unfortunately. Now, even my middle name. Now, my middle name is interesting, okay? Don't laugh, but my, my, my middle name is Michael. So how do you get from this? Hey, laughing up there, man. Now, I looked at the definition, okay, of the name Michael. Let me read you this definition. It's from the Hebrew name Michael, meaning who is like God. And this is a rhetorical qu uh, question implying no person is like God. And Michael is one of the archangels in Hebrew tradition and the only one identified as an archangel in the Bible. And in, in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, he is named as a protector of Israel. And in the book of Revelation in the New Testament, he is portrayed as the leader of heaven's armies in the war against Satan and is thus considered the patron. So it's pretty cool to be named after Michael the archangel, right? Well, once again, ladies and gentlemen, that wasn't the case, unfortunately. You see, when my mum was at home ready to give birth to me, um, we didn't have a car, and our neighbor helped take my mum and my dad to the hospital in his car, and lo and behold, his name was Michael. So they named me after a guy that I've never known or have never ever met in my whole life to this day. Great. Thank you, Michael. And don't get me started on the name, my surname, Schuster. I mean, that's German. How does a German name end up in Samoa? I'll leave that in your, in your thoughts and your minds. But, but coming back to the story, even though they named Esau by his appearance, his name also carried a, a prophetic edge later on in his life because the Bible talks about Esau being born red, right? And if you don't know the history of Esau, well, later in life, Esau, he grows up and becomes this powerful and this wealthy chief in the land called Edom. Now that word Edom, uh, translated to English, it means red. And Esau's other name was Edom, red. Now Jacob's name is also interesting because the name means one who grabs the heel. Now, once again, we just read about him holding on to his brother's heel at birth. So what do they name him? They name him the heel grabber. So I wanted to bring our attention to the importance of the twins' birth. You know, Rebecca, as she prayed for a child, uh, when she finally becomes pregnant, she gets double the trouble. And Jacob and Esau, they weren't your simple twins. They were two nations in her womb at war even before they were born. So in order to understand the rival that both these twins had towards each other, it helps us to understand more about Jacob's part in all of this, being called the heel grabber against his brother. And right from the start, holding on to Esau's heel, Jacob is determined not to let go of what lay ahead of him. It was all about him and the success of his future. 
You know, when I, I think of the birth of these, these twins, these two boys, I'm reminded of my, of my two sons, Maya and Joey, when they were born, uh, born. You know, and you think of babies. Babies are the cutest things in the world, right? But they are and can be the most selfish little things alive. I mean, you put yourself right now. Imagine yourself in the shoes of this cute baby. And as this cute baby, you, you don't have a clue about what life is supposed to be like. Yet you have these behaviors even before you say your first words. These behaviors seem to have a mind of their own. You soon learn one of your main behaviors is known as this loud, intense cry. And with that intense cry that you have in you, it gives, you know, it gets everything you want. You want. It gets you your milk. It gets you a nappy change. It gets your parents' attention. You know, it gets whatever your little heart demands and desires. You start as this little cute baby. You grow up to be a young kid transforming into this huge teenager. And soon after, you have to grow up because you become this real adult. And through all those stages and growth, right, you have your own unique dreams and desires, but at the same time, you have this battle uh, through fears of failure and success with those very dreams. And you're having to grapple and wrestle against the joy of being comfortable and safe, but also having to grapple against the battles of trying these new opportunities before you. So soon enough, our, our cry is grown adults. It's not crying openly like the little cute baby, baby you once were. Our cries are now the desperate cry to know who are we. Let's be honest, we all know that our security and our safety, our achievements and our accomplishments and other personal things give us our identity to life. But isn't it also interesting that we still constantly try to find our identity of who we are supposed to be on this earth? And I want to bring your attention to the life of Jacob and, and why he was called, you know, uh, Jacob the, the heel grabber. Every opportunity he had to become successful in his life, he pursued it in order to get his way. And he would grab at every chance he, would, he could show his worth. You know, the sad thing is he would grab opportunities at no cost. He wasn't too worried about pushing people out of the way for his personal gains. He was the heel grabber. And one of the most heel grabbing moments, times, was when he deceived his father, Isaac, to give him the blessing, you know, to be the next leader in, in, in his family line. And he, he was, you know, he deceived his father to do that, um, you know, instead of his older brother, um, Esau, his twin brother, for receiving it. By right, it was always the eldest son to be blessed as the next heir to the family line and carry on the deeds of the father after they passed on. But Jacob, he's able to get in before the brother, before his brother, pretending to be Esau. And with this trickery, right, his father Isaac, he blesses Jacob with the inheritance to carry on as the leader of the next generation 
in his household, thinking that it was his older son, Esau. Now, of course, man, this makes his brother Esau angry because all his life, Esau has known Jacob to be this crafty guy, this hustler, the hustler of brothers. And Jacob, he stole Esau's right to be the next leader in their family line. Their father, Isaac, gave all, the, he gave all of those blessings to, ja- uh, to Jacob, and he left nothing for Esau, all because Jacob pretended to be his older brother. That's crafty. That's what you call a crook. And this was the tipping point for Esau, and he had a plan, and his plan was, I'm going to kill Jacob once our father dies. That's my plan. Well, Jacob gets word, right, of, of Esau's plans to kill him. So, so their mother, their mum, Rebecca, he, she comes up with this plan. And she, you know, the plan is to send Jacob on this long journey and to go live with her family away from all this situation and problem that was happening at home. Man, Jacob, he had to run for his life. He had no choice. It was a life of, you know, he had a life of stability, but that was over. He couldn't go back. This new journey Jacob was on took him outside of his comfort zone, the way that he lived, the way he enjoyed life. He was comfortable living under the roof of his parents. Remember that when you were young? He had it. He had it all. I mean, you know, the security of having wealthy parents set him up for the whole of, you know, time of his life. Yet, at this time, he was forced to leave. He had no option to stay, otherwise he'd find himself dead at the end of his brother's hands. So Jacob is forced to leave, not because of a desire to follow after God. It was because his mum urged him to leave out of the fear of his brother Esau's anger to destroy Jacob's future. How often, and this is a question that stumped me or challenged me, how often have you run into your future not out of a real desire to pursue your destiny for God, but more out of the need to escape from your past? You know, I grew up being blessed by both my parents, right? And, and even when my dad, he, when he passed away, uh, I was about, I was 12 years old. And my mom brought me up the best that she could and, and my siblings as well. And I can honestly, honestly say with all that she had and all that she could give, right? Life for me, it, it was good. It was good because of her care for me and for my siblings. But because of the lack of having this father figure in my life, I played up, and I played up a lot, and let's just say it made more work for my mum, and we'll leave it there, thank you very much. You know, a lot of my actions um, of bad behavior, I guess it came from having a lack of a father figure in my life, and it showed more and more as I grew from this young boy to a teenager, and I carried it into my adult life all the way through university. I was this angry young man because I blamed God for taking my dad at a young age. You see, my dad died, I think he was 42, 43. 
And I was 12 years older at that time. Now today, I'm 43. My youngest son, Joey, is 12. Can you imagine if I died tomorrow, leaving my son, Joey, at 12 years old without a dad? I can't imagine how he would live. I can't imagine how he would live out his life knowing the way he's seen life for the past 12 years and all of a sudden part of his upbringing, it disappears from him for the rest of his growing life. Well, that was me at 12 years old. And so my future as a young kid, I didn't think about it very much. And like I said, I made, you know, my, my mom's life more exciting <laughs> the way I lived as this young boy. I thought that I'd be dead by the age of 21, 22, because I didn't think much of life after the, that age. And as much as I had an amazing mom in my life, the father figure aspect was missing. It was missing to help guide me on how to live man, like a man. <laughs> And I lived a life of being unsure of what might happen next, you know, uh, to me on, in my life. Long story short, I praise God, there came a day that he turned that all around for me in a time of uncertainty. And I'm so in love with life and the purpose that I have for it this very day. You like it or not, your personal history Though filled with some challenges, disappointments, unfinished business, frustrations, is part of what shapes you to this point of your life. And Jacob is about to find out that his past, right, will continue to wind its way into his present life. So let me fast track this story now. Jacob, so you know, he finds his way to his mother's family. And he lives under the guardian, uh, the guidance of his uncle named Laban, Uncle Laban. Now, he eventually marries Laban's two daughters, okay? J Jacob has two wives, which was totally legal in that time, and, and lives there for the, for the next 21 years. Now, the time living under the roof of his uncle Laban, Jacob doesn't know that his uncle Laban is a crook himself. Laban's been, you know, in the business game way before Jacob was even born. He knows more about Jacob than Jacob knows about himself. And Jacob, this heel grabber that we, we call him, now grabs onto the heel of his uncle, his new mentor. But what he doesn't know is his heel is also being grabbed. His uncle Laban is a heel grabber as well. And, and he's better at this game than Jacob is. There's no escaping, you know, the grip of Laban until Jacob learns a thing or two. And now the grappling and the wrestling is no longer with his twin brother Esau. The grappling now begins with his uncle Laban. And for the next 21 years, Jacob is tested, he's tried and manipulated again and again by his uncle. And he gets shortchanged and ripped off so many times that it becomes a joke. Yet Jacob comes out of every grapple 
and wrestle against the craftiness of his uncle. And so Laban, Uncle Laban, he grows in success, right, through his corrupt ways. And through that corruption, Jacob, Jacob is learning more and more in every grappling session he has against his uncle. God is teaching him valuable lessons of faith and creative ability. God is with Jacob. God loves Jacob. Most importantly, Jacob is beginning to fall in love with God. And that makes all the difference in all his hardship and labor. You know, without complaint, Jacob, during these 21 years of his life, learns to serve and trust in a power greater than himself for once. 21 years of growing in a humility of loving God. God speaks to Jacob to go back home to his father, finally, after 21 years. Tells him to go back home to his father, Isaac, back in Canaan. Now that sounds all happy-go-lucky kind of thing, but Jacob, he had one major problem. No matter how much God blessed Jacob, no matter how many things God proved to Jacob in the past 21 years, no matter how many things God promised him, Jacob, Jacob wasn't convinced God was big enough or loving enough to handle his situation with his older brother. Jacob was more afraid of his twin brother Esau than he was of anything else in the world. When you are stuck in a deep-rooted fear, and the only way out is to go through it, you have to face those fears, right? 1 John 4 verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Man, perfect love can't drive out your fears until you are ready to face it, to take ownership of it, and then to walk it out. Now, some of us here may know that, I mean, I, I enjoy the, the sport of boxing. <coughs> I think I started boxing uh, around 2010. I sound like a professional. When I started boxing, no, I just started training and I wasn't even that, I'm not even that good. Around 2010, and, and, but I love the sport. I've loved the sport ever since. Um, and I've been part of the same local boxing gym um, out here in South Auckland, I think around since 2013. And I still go there to this very day. And I go, you know, like at least two or three times a week. Um, but I, I've now picked up a new sport along, um, along with my boxing. I decided to take up this new sport because of two reasons, right? The first reason, I was keen to do something totally new and outside of the skill of boxing to challenge myself in this season of my life where I'm currently there. And number two, I'm about to finish, uh, many of you know I'm about to finish up my studies that I've pursued for almost two years now uh, with the hope of graduating from it. A better, right? And I feel ready now that... <laughs> Yeah, my wife, yeah, you better. Because you should put my name on it too, eh? <laughs> Hope of, you know, graduating. But, man, to be honest, I feel ready to add something challenging um, and, and something hard to my life again. 
And so I've taken up the sport of um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> and it's interesting because it's, it's an interesting sport. I, I, I picked it up at the beginning of this year. I have no clue. I had no clue how it worked and, and what you did. And, you know, and, and I just thought, oh, my gosh, this is weird at first. You know, in, in the sport of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, uh, you know, BJJ for short, it means different things, right, to, to different people. And one way people consider the sport, it's like a, a human chess game. And you physically use your body as an extension, right, of your mind um, in a game of physical and, and mental wit. To do well in the sport, you need discipline, you need passion, and, and you need lots of patience. Now, the average time, right, it takes there's certain belts, levels of belts, and you start at white belt. Um, so, sounds pretty cool, eh? But you, you are white belt sitting there right now. <laughs> so, it's not that amazing at all for me, but let me take my glory. And so, you start at white belt, but it takes few, um, so many different years to, to level up in your belts, the different colors. And one of the highest belts is black belt. And, and black belt, it takes almost 10 to 12 years to gain a black belt. Now, you can get a university degree and graduate in less time than it takes to go through this full, you know, sessions of trying to gain a, a black belt in, in jiu-jitsu. Well, hopefully for some of us. You know, with this form in jiu-jitsu, it's, it's a form of grappling, wrestling. And with this form of grappling, this is my, this is, me personally, where I'm at, I plan to do the sport for the long haul. I understand that it's going to require discipline, but I'm willing to grapple my way through it, not just physically, because this is, I mean, this is what the sport is all about, right? But to mentally train my mind to do something hard in life to go through the challenge. Now, these past two years, right, of, of studies that I've taken, it's taken it out of me at so many levels. But as the studies have almost come to an end, my life carries on. These two years haven't been easy at all. It's added more pressure to my time with my wife and my kids, my, week, my weekly work here in the church and my weekly preparations for Sunday mornings to be here with you all. But let me tell you, with all this grappling, right, in my studies, these past two years, I honestly kid you not, I have personally grown in God's word and in the confidence in pastoring this amazing congregation. None of this I couldn't have done, but only through the grappling with God and with life. Has it been a scary season? It sure has. The unknown things of, of finances to pay my fees and, and balance, balancing a life where God is at the center, you know, never trying to fake my life in front of you all here at, at the pulpit or trying to live a lie before my wife and, and my two boys at home. These are the things I've had to personally grapple with in the last two years. That's the very thing Jacob decides to do. 
after 21 years, what does he do? He walks toward his fears that God has challenged him to grapple with. In Genesis 32, he's on his way back home to his father's house in Canaan. Get this, while he's traveling, right, towards his father's house, word gets out to him that his very own twin brother is coming to meet him halfway. And he's actually coming with, with an entourage of, of, of just of 400 men. Now, straight away, Jacob knows that that's no welcome party at all. That's an army. That's an army led by an angry guy coming to kill, kill me and the rest of my family. So what does Jacob do in, his, in this dilemma? What he does, he splits his household, right, into two camps. Because he's thinking, you know, if Esau comes and, and he, attacks one, he attacks one group, at least the other group, they have a chance to escape, so after he splits his tribes into two, he sends them in front of him and he stays behind and he spends the night alone to just desperately, desperately pray to God. But even after this, you know, deep, intense prayer to God, he's still in a state of, of paranoia um, and, and thinking of what his brother will do to him once he turns up. So once again, Jacob, he's trying to weasel his way out, and he tries to send gifts to his brother while he's on his way to meet halfway, because, you know, by sending the gifts, Jacob thinks, maybe, you know, I can soften the blow, at least soft, soften the blow from my brother if I come, you know, in this humble type of approach, and by doing this, maybe he might let, let me off from the pain that I, put, that I put him through. Sad thing is... Jacob was now going back to what he was used to, to being a crook, to being a hustler, to being the heel grabber. His strategy was fear-based. It wasn't faith-based. The old Jacob was popping up its ugly head once again. And this is where the final part of what I want to share is the most interesting. After sending gifts to try and manipulate his brother like he did when he was growing up with him. This is what happens next. And we read it in this verse. Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. And that night, and Jacob got up and took his two wives maidservants, his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over, then he sent over all his possessions. But Jacob, Jacob stayed behind by himself. And look at this, a man grappled with him till daybreak. Verse 25, when the man saw that he could not get the best of Jacob, as they grappled, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that Jacob's hip was put out as they grappled. Then the man said in verse 26, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. Then the, then the man asked him, what is your name? And Jacob, he answered, Jacob. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob. 
but your name will now be Israel because you have struggled with God and with humans and you have overcome. You have this strange guy who shows up and grapples with Jacob till daybreak. But at the same point during this weird ordeal, Jacob, while grappling, he realizes that he's grappling with God. Jacob has no, so, I mean, he has so much adrenaline, you know, coursing through his veins because he's fighting for his life. All night long, the pain of years of rejection and fear of further humiliation are being translated into all this energy of just intense grappling. And Jacob, at this moment in time, he feels like a loser, doing his best not to tap out. And, and I find this part funny, because when God decides it's time to just end the grapple, he just touches Jacob. He touches his hip, pretty much dislocates it on purpose, and then, you know, God, he has, God has the nerve to ask Jacob, can you just tap out? Can you just tap out so we can, so we can just move on and, and finish this grappling? And then Jacob, in all that pain that he's going through, he replies to God, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. It's with those very words that pleases God. And so God blesses him. Remember, the man asked Jacob, which was God, what is your name? My name is Jacob. Then the man said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men, and you have prevailed. In my words, this is what God was saying, man, you no longer called Jacob the heel grabber. From now on, your name is Israel, the God grappler, because you grappled with me you didn't tap out. Now, after this grappling with God, Jacob, he limps with this hip injury to meet up with his brother Esau. Yes, his body, it's been weakened, but he's gained a faith so strong that changed his life forever. And no matter how much he had tricked his brother in his younger days, he knew his prayers regarding Esau at that time would be answered. Personal question, what do you really need from God right now? What blessings do you want from him? How badly do you want it? There are times when God will release his blessings on you after a season of a long and at times painful grappling with him. And so Jacob wanted to come to a place in his life where it was okay for him to, to be who he was called to be, and he wanted to let go and end the struggle against himself, God, while grappling with Jacob, looks at Jacob, right, who's, who's grabbing at, at his heel, and he's saying, what did you say your name was? And you can imagine Jacob looking up at the man and, and, and a tight vice grip on the man's heel, and he says, my name, you ask? Uh, they call me the heel grabber. Can't you tell? And if you remember in the beginning of, the, of today's sermon, I mentioned he was named based on his behavior 
coming out of his mother's womb, grabbing onto the heel of his brother, and he receives now this new name from the strange man, which he realizes is actually God, and his new name now is Israel, the God grappler. Now, Jacob is finally able to let go of God's heel. And he lets go in awe and wonder, even in shock. He, he, ta- he has to take a moment to observe, absorb what he, was, what he just heard. Not only that, now he needs to have faith to receive what it is that he j- was just told. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He isn't a heel grabber anymore. He's a God grappler who is able to finally let go because it's finally safe to be who he is. And who is he? He's a God grappler who prevails with God and with men. I want to finish by encouraging all all of us here. I want to talk to our men, our brothers, my brothers in here today. You know, we have this victory weekend, right, that's coming. Now, I really believe God is dealing with some of us in here. He's definitely dealing with me. He's calling us to come and grapple with him. Now, you may be going through a time of anger, of fear, insecurity, or or maybe just unsure about the direction of your life. And so it's just easy to go with the motions and push aside, you know, these internal issues you're facing. But let me ask you this. Would you be, I mean, would you be willing just to sign up to come this weekend? Along with other brothers who are grappling, probably some of the very same heel grabbers that you might be dealing with? Now, I'm not asking, not because I'm trying to manipulate you to come, but because you know God is wanting to grapple with you in this season. And I'm learning through my journey of becoming Christ-like, right? In the way that I carry myself, there has been blessing in my personal life, both internally, externally, because I just understand. I understand the importance to grapple with God. And it's in those intense times of grappling with God that I'm learning to not let go, not to tap out, but to grab a hold of his heel because he wants to bless my life. Some of us give up too early and we tap out of the grapple, allowing the enemy to take a foothold in our lives. Man, if that's you, then maybe it's time to to get back, get back into the fight. Maybe retrain yourself. Dust the cobwebs off and bring yourself back to being this fearless fighter for God. To everyone in this room, we read and we learn that strange man grappling with God is none other than God the champion himself. And as Jacob was holding on to God's heel, it's a reminder for us of the day that our champion came down from heaven for 33 to 32, 33 years of his life. And that heel that Jacob grabbed a hold of would become the same heel that suffered. It suffered a a large nail pierced through it in fulfillment of just this ancient promise. A promise said that, you know, this bruised heel of this champion grappler would crush the very authority of how's dominion over mankind. 
And from that bruised heel of the champion grappler, life will flow. You and I would be able to walk in the freedom of God. This champion, champion grappler is Jesus. The undefeated, undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. So I'll ask you again as I conclude. What do you really need from God right now? What blessings do you want from him? How badly do you want it? When God calls you to grapple with him, it's not because he wants you to tap out and to give up. It's actually an invitation for you and I to receive his blessings. So stay with him. Don't give up. Don't let him go until he blesses you. He loves you. And he wants to bless, you know, that kind of, the, the, the strong faith so you can come out in victory and just totally transform. Let us pray.